This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail cheaters and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? With a big opa, Josh. I am great. We're here to talk about Greek FPL and uh, Holoboss <laughs> Twitter is just blowing up. It's a big day for Holoboss Twitter. The biggest day in Holoboss Twitter history. I, it's got to be up there, right? I mean, game week one, big day for Holoboss Twitter, you know. Play, played really well, but I think once once he followed it up with the extra two assists, I feel like that really really kicked it up a notch. Well, Josh, much much like the always cheating podcast this summer, Holoboss is just setting a new record each game week. So uh, <laughs> maybe it was the biggest day in Holoboss Twitter this in game week four, but next in game week five, it's only going to grow. You can't stop this train. How do you spell wild card? H O L E B A S or C H O L E V A S, depending on uh, that is the the weirdest thing that you can spell Holobos two different ways. I, I'll never totally. Well, it's been explained to us by our friend Lazaros, who is Greek, but I still don't understand it. I just wasn't. I'm not quite smart enough to get the Holobos. Well, I was, was I was telling you at, at the Black Horse uh, this morning while we were watching the the Spurs and the Man United games. It's uh, Holobos is like the Hanukkah of of Premier League players with two different spellings, both both as, as baffling <laughs> as the next. Um, I, I wish I had heard that because um, I would have laughed. And I'm laughing now because I clearly was not listening to you earlier today. Uh, Brandon, I am I am back. Uh, I'm back from my vacation with my family. Um, it was it was enjoyable. I thought you you and Dave thank big big thanks to Dave for uh, appearing on the podcast. I know everyone really enjoyed having him on the podcast. I didn't hear a single negative thing, uh, which is incredibly rare because every time we have a guest, <laughs> people are very negative yep. about it. Uh, but they, in this they, case, they use everybody... us like com- comfort blankets. I think it's 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 <laughs> exactly. not it's not like the, we're, we're the most dynamic duo, but we're just, it's just comforting to have us both on the pod. But yeah, yeah, it's like m- mom showing up with the new boyfriend. You know, you're just not quite. You're not. You're, you're a little like 
yeah, skeezed out by it. So, um, yeah, thank you so much, Dave. Uh, I re- I listened to the podcast all the way through. I enjoyed it tremendously. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm happy to be back. Um, I was able to watch a fair, fair amount of games, actually. Um, and I, I even – I flew back on JetBlue, you know, so they got the little TVs. They actually even have the NBC Sports Network. So – uh, I was able to watch um, a lot of native Saturday. advertising crammed into that <laughs> sentence. <John. laughs> no one is, no one paid us for any of that. Yeah, really. That was two, <laughs> two different plugs. Uh, great, great rate for that flight too. Uh, <laughs> flew back on that. And, uh, uh, so I was able to watch the, um, some of the, some of the Saturday you know, morning games for us. And then, um, and I did watch the Man City game. Aguero, um, I thought was, uh, played well. I mean, he just didn't quite have his, shooting boots on he should have had a couple of assists though yeah oh i agree aguero looked he looked among the best on the pitch for city so i think it we continue to he continues to be a clear competitor for the armband week to week as far as i'm concerned yeah i mean there was a lot of talk going into game week four about whether to triple captain aguero you know i i was asked the question um a lot on twitter last week and my response was um it's perfectly valid. I won't be doing it. And I actually feel the same way about we're not going to recap. We're not going to talk too much about game week five on this week's podcast. Uh, we're going to talk more about uh, wild cards, players to buy, um, you know, like moves you want to make over the next couple weeks or the national break. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I do feel like, um, you know, Aguero in game week five is another triple captain option. And um, I don't know. I mean, would you would you consider triple captain Aguero in game week five? Uh, it's the same question for me as it was with the Newcastle home fixture. I mean, Fulham's defense is is among the lowest performing in the league right now. So I understand the impulse. I do follow the conservative approach, though, of double game weeks. It's just upping the probability of a triple captain yeah. bringing in more points. So uh you just really have to get I, – I hate to use the word luck. You kind of have to get lucky, though, for it to come off on a single game week. I, I feel I feel the same way. I mean, for me, there's, there's also a psychological component to it, which is that if I were a triple captain, Aguero, and, or, or anybody, uh, early, like this early on in the season and it didn't work out – it would like kind of ruin the season for me. <laughs> you know, I feel like the, it's, it's kind of like when I played an early wild card in the second half of last season. And it was, it was like, it gave me like a little bit of an advantage and I was able to make up some points that I was, that I was down, but kind of in the back of my head, I just kept thinking, man, like when everyone else plays their wild card, I am screwed, mm-hmm. you know? And I just, you know, I, I feel like even if things went well with the triple captaincy, I would like, I would know that like whatever lead I'd built up was 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 destined to sort of get you know furred away later on in the season. So well, I, I'm not I, saying that it always yeah. works out to triple captain in a double game week, but it, it is a better statistical play, as you as you said. I guess just to create a balanced argument here, I'll jump in and say that uh, if it if there there's still no reason to not play it in a single game week, and I'll push back on the um, psychological component you're putting out there, Josh. If you did say triple captain Aguero uh, against Huddersfield and he gets his hat trick and the assist. It's not like that lead gets frittered away. Those are points. Those are the same points in game week two or three as they are in game week 35. So right. They are. That's true. So I, I wouldn't want to scare anyone, anyone off of an early triple captain just because of that. Cause I'm not sure that that's totally true. Okay, but 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 to be clear, neither of us would triple captain. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, all right, it's settled. All right, so uh, so uh, game week's over. Um, I had um, I had a pretty decent game week. Um, I actually thought I was going to see a bigger green arrow than I did. I finished on fifty one points. 
Um, I averaged was 44 points this game week. Uh, I, I kicked up a little bit further. I was around 99K in the world. Now I'm up to 96K. So a little 4,000. Um, although I guess once you're in that top 100K, you want to just kind of hang around there, right? You want to, you want to stay in, in it. Very know, much in striking sort of, distance if you're just in the top 100K. Uh, sort of sky's the limit uh, as, you, as we go on through the season if you're in that range. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, top 100K out of 5.5 million players, or at least total teams, um, is uh, uh, something I'm pretty happy with. Um, you and I are actually only separated by one point now, which is kind of funny. Oh, I'm just kidding. Okay. Talk, yeah, you're, I think you're on 274. That's I'm right. on 273. Yep. Um, so uh, it's kind of kind of interesting. Uh, we always joke about how you and I, even though our teams aren't always that similar, we always end up within like five or ten points of each other uh, every year. We're both just like, that so. good, Josh. <laughs> so I had um, I had Allison, who's I have to say Allison's mistake probably helped me tremendously mm-hmm. uh, because uh, I have Allison, I don't have Robertson. It was a mistake I made, uh, like you know the the night before when I was when I was playing on my game week one team. I like I thought I was being very clever uh, by bringing in Allison instead of Robertson. It's cost me. I think the running tally right now is ten points. Uh, is what it's cost me. Mm-hmm. And Robertson was uh, was on for three bonus points when Allison uh, tackled himself and uh, and allowed uh, Lester to score. Uh, so I, I got three from him. It was uh, a self own, uh, as you're fond of saying. Exactly. Um, Alonzo uh, came through again, uh, which was very exciting. I picked up nine points from him. I mean, that guy is. Well, we'll talk more about wild cards in a minute. But I mean, that guy is about the most essential player. Yeah. in the game right now, right? Along with Ben Mendy. Um, truly we'll un- truly about, unreal yeah. form from Alonso. Yeah, we have to talk yeah. about him. Yeah, we'll talk more about him in a bit. Uh, and then I had, uh, I had Mane with goal and three bonus points. Uh, Aguero was my captain. Uh, Mendy uh, got an assist from him. Um, Lucas Mora was the player that I ended up bringing in as Richarlison replacement. I, I really didn't want to replace Richarlison. Um, I was worried about – I have Bailly too and I was worried he wouldn't start. He ended up coming out for one point. Um, and I, fe- I actually thought there was a real worry that I wouldn't actually be able to fill the full 11 um, or that Cabaselli would come on and I would just get two points or one point from him. So um, I felt like I, my, my hand was forced a little bit. I didn't like any of the options in that 6.5 million range. Um, I was very adamant about not – bringing in Theo Walcott and I kind of got killed for it on Twitter, um, which was mm-hmm. uh, like, I, like suddenly like everyone who's been ragging on Theo Walcott for the last 10 years is like a gigantic Theo Walcott fan. Uh, Cause he scored one goal away at Bournemouth. I, I don't know. Like I, I was not bringing in Walcott under any circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got five points from Lucas Mora. I mean, we'll see, like maybe he's going to lose a spot to Sun in a couple weeks, but, um, but I don't, you know, I probably end up wild carding, you know, sometime in the next few weeks anyway. So, um, you know, and as we saw, uh, you know, this week, I mean, Pedro, Mkhitaryan, I mean, that 6.5 million range is, is pretty rotation heavy if you're bringing in a player in that range in the, uh, you know, for one of the top six clubs. So, um, so basically I, I kind of want to bring with Charleston back uh, right away. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, 51 points is where I sit, which, uh, I was pretty happy with after what, what was a tough game week for many. Yeah, speaking of, so I finished on 41 points, 10 below you, three points below the game week average of 44 points. My worst game week of the season so far, game week rank of around 3.4 million. Uh, So pretty unhappy about that. Despite that, still clinging on to a spot in the top 100K, dropped about 50,000 spots to 89,586. It's interesting how closely those things are. So I'm in 96,000th place. 
you have one more point for me, one more point than me, and you're a seven thousand points higher. So still very tightly bunched, you know, in the top, uh, you know, which is the, the you know this early in the season, you can still make up a lot of ground for anybody who's you know one million, one point five million. There's there's a lot of ground to make up still. So I was one of the managers who did bring in Walcott. Uh, Josh, th- thanks for slagging me off there a couple of minutes ago. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, hi- hindsight being what it is, um, I mean, the the injury is the injury. Who knows what Walcott would have done had he stayed on the pitch? But it does sort of sort of feel like history repeating itself with him getting a one pointer. He burned us all getting high on him uh, going into the uh, the series of blanks and double game weeks at the end of last season. Now he's doing the exact same thing to all the managers right now. So it is a bit of a bummer. My um, my whole team was kind of a basket case this game week. Not a single clean sheet in my entire team, even in the midfield. I got one goal, and that was from Danny Ying. So Danny Ying's uh, with a goal and two bonus points kind of saves me from having an even bigger disaster of a game week. But Ederson Van Dyke with a one-pointer and a two-pointer. Uh, assists from the Assist Kings, Robertson and Mendy. Mickey trolled me. Ozil trolled me. Arsenal just has absolutely been killing me at the start of the season. Uh, Captain DeGuero, uh, uh So that was the best-case scenario there. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know when you when you, we were watching matches this morning. I, I don't know if you heard it. Around the 87th minute mark, the announcer said that there was a substitution coming. That that, that is that Aubameyang was about to be subbed out. He didn't say who it was for. And then Arsenal played keep away for the next two minutes. And I thought, oh my god, like Mkhitaryan is going to come on in the 90th minute of this match, isn't he? Uh, and then finally the bug got kicked out and he came on. And I thought, I mean, I, I think for you it wasn't too much of an issue, but I know there were a lot of managers out there with Ings on the bench, and that was just such a I really felt for 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 those managers. I mean, that's a that's yeah. a that's a brutal a three point a three minute sub is like the absolute worst. That's the worst feeling because you know there's just not enough time. You know, I hit that with Ben Davis a couple couple times last year. Yeah, Dale, Dale Stevens would have popped on the field for me with another one pointer. I ended up benching my Crystal Palace defenders. I definitely liked Southampton to score this weekend, so I didn't. I I wish I could sympathize more with the managers who benched Ings, but without Tompkins in that lineup, uh, the Palace defense is far from watertight. Yeah, I mean it's uh, I, I don't I really don't know what to think about that defense. I mean I, I you know one one move I was I was considering was just to hold on to Richarlison and bring on uh, Patrick Van Anhalt for Eric Bailly, uh, which is a move I, I may still do um, in uh, over the international break. Um, but yeah, I mean are they? I don't know what to think about Crystal Palace right now, right? I mean, they're on – they've only won one game mm-hmm. uh, in their first four. They've looked really good. Um, well, I think what you, you, know, I mean, what, you yeah. what you need to think about them is they just really need a fully fit team. And when they have a fully fit team, yeah. I think they look great. Saha is clearly pivotal to them attacking. Yeah. And without him, they're suffering. And as I mentioned, I think they need – a, a fully fit back line with Tompkins and Sacco back there in the middle in order for them to have a hope of, of keeping a clean sheet. Brandon, how about this? Why don't they just take Christian Benteke, replace replace Tompkins with Benteke? Oh, yeah. I mean, Christian Benteke is a center back, right? Like the guy can't, yep. he can't shoot. Yep. You know, he's very tall. <laughs> uh, he's very good at heading the ball mm-hmm. and he can't score. I mean, he just, but he's athletic. I mean, you could definitely use him as a center back. Um, I don't know. I just feel like that's, and then, and then you can start Sorloff, you know, and, uh, I think we're all ready for Sorloff to shine. I think, I think that's a brilliant idea. You're basically Hodgson 2.0 right now, Josh. <laughs> uh, all right, Brandon, uh, just a, a quick note. Uh, we have t-shirts coming. 
we have designed a T-shirt, an always cheating T-shirt, uh, and uh, those are coming soon, aren't they? They are coming soon. Yeah, there were were we had the concept all nailed down. We just need to tweak it a little bit, and then we're opening up a shop at alwayscheating.com. So stay tuned on our social media for more info, and we'll have more info also on next week's pod when we preview game week five. Um, but get get excited. <laughs> I'm actually Brennan showed me a mock-up of the t-shirts. They look uh, really Brennan is just a, a, anyone who like if you've seen our logo or the website, it's that is all branded. He is very good at the design stuff. Uh, I have I have no idea what I'm doing with design stuff, and so just you just show me stuff, Brennan. And I always think it looks great, and so that that's really my relationship is just to <laughs> give you praise because I think everything looks good. Uh, all right, uh, always cheating Super League uh, top ten. Uh, I, let me let me see if I can run through these names, Brennan. People love. To hear us mispronounce names, so let's let's try that. Um, number nine, there's two way tie for ninth. Uh, Choo Choo uh, is ninth, tied with uh, Gia Rossi. Uh, in eighth place, we have Bean Arnautovic. Arnautovic. Thank you, Andrew McKinnon, for uh, being Arnautovic. It's Arnautovic, right? I think it's Arnautovic. I think it's Arnautovic. But who, as you said, who, who bloody cares? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, all right. In sixth place is the Invincibles, um, Kareem Ibrahim, uh, tied with uh, Marshall Matas LP, Peter Tind. Um, in fifth place is Poyo, Poyo Pants Down, uh, Tejas Shazdeva. Um, fourth is Can You Lift My BHOJ, uh, Niraj Bojani. Uh, in third place is Keats Elite, Christopher Blair. Uh, in second place, Radioactive Man, Travis West. That was easy. I could actually read that one. Uh, first place is Lalonde FC, uh, Francisco Santos. And that was very ugly American there, right? Uh, Lalonde FC, Francisco Santos isn't first. 56 points uh, on the game week. 334 points total. Uh, congrats to you, Francisco Santos. Yeah, and uh, Francisco is ranked 65th overall in the world, just to give you a sense of how elite the Always Cheating Very Super League impressive. is. It's never too late to join. Just go to alwayscheating.com or click the show notes, and there's an auto-join link there for you to take part in the greatest mini-league in the whole world. It's very true. It's all true. Uh, we have some Patreon thank yous real quick. At the Sorloft level, we have to welcome Espen Larson. Uh, pledge in honor of Sirlot's first goal. So thank you, Espen. Welcome to the team. At the Embakani level, thanks to uh, patron uh, Steve Bain, Andrew Ord, James Ghost, Arturi Ajasalo, and Eric Skywalker. Wow, geez, uh, a future Jedi here in our, our patron fold. Uh, go to patreon.com slash always cheating for more information about what you get for being a patron of the podcast, all the swag, the free mini leagues, and the Slack forum that's always popping off with great rate my teams and strategy. It's true. And uh, general chit chat. I found the Slack for, yeah, the, the, this week the Slack forum was uh, particularly useful for me as I was trying to figure out what to do with my 6.5 million midfielder. And um, it just happened there were a bunch of Spurs fans on there. Um, and so I was sort of asking them about Lucas, and they were talking about how, um, just some advice about how uh, Ericsson will sort of drop back a little bit deeper sometimes when they're playing teams that are a little more defensive. And um, it was just, it made, me, it made me feel a little more confident that there's a way that Mora and Sun can play together, uh, which is my real concern, which is that, you know, Mora is just going to drop right out after after uh, Sun returns. Although, uh, given Mora, given, I mean, what do you think about Mora today? I thought he played quite well. He looked fantastic. He was he's his pace is really sensational. And what blew me away about Lucas Mora against Watford was he was running straight through the middle of the pitch. Right. And uh, 
which made him even more threatening than occasionally being out wide. And I think that bodes well for future returns, how active he was in sort of Kane's area. I'm not quite sure how tactically they managed it to have Kane up front in the middle, Mora doing what he was doing, and also Deli Ali. And maybe that's why yeah. Deli Ali didn't have his best game. But Nor did all, Kane. all that to yeah. say, yeah, uh, Lucas Mora looked great. Yeah, and and Kane and Mora played extremely well together, you know, in the Man United game. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, it's just hard, it's hard to see Mora play right now and think, yes, this guy is going to get dropped to the bench as soon as Sun returns. There's just it's hard to yeah. Hard, I think he, yeah, he's offering something a little different than Sun. Uh, I agree because Sun was you typically plays a little wider or and even to the left, whereas you'll often see Mora out on the right. So yeah, I could definitely see them playing together. Yeah, I, I can too. Uh, Rants of the week. Uh, Joe Lucas says, uh, why did I captain Walcott? Who does that? <laughs> Just you, Joe, apparently. <laughs> um, that That is tough. I mean, you had to like this fixture for Everton. Everyone was pretty high on Walcott. Decent form. The injury really does sting. That yeah. said, uh how could we not see this coming, right? <laughs> we all we all saw it coming. Even even the people who brought him in, like it wasn't like people people knew that they were, this was going to happen. And they still brought him in anyway. Like you know, you, it was so hard to resist. I, I understand. Yeah. I understand the appeal. Moshe Davidach with the other Theo Walcott related rant of the week. Who is the bigger troll, Trolley McGoblin the Third, King of the Northern Lapland Trolls? Or Theo Walcott, <laughs> uh, Moshi. I think it is Theo Walcott. I think he's got that. He, I mean, he's like the ten-year champion, right? I mean, it's like it's like a chance. He's had it as long as like, I don't know, like Lennox Lewis or something. I'm trying to think of someone who had like a, a nice long run as as a like a heavyweight champion. You know, Mike Tyson. If there are any bridges around Goodison Park, I'd be fearful of crossing them. You'll definitely have to answer questions three from Theo Walcott in order to cross a bridge near Everton's grounds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Brian, we have uh, one a new section, this, just a one-time section. Uh, this is the humble brag of the week, which comes from our friend Jeff Petter. It says, if you're off to a good start, are happy with your team, and still have your wild card, what is the next thing to watch out for and consider so you don't get complacent? Jeff is banned from the podcast. So don't ever write us again, Jeff. So one week ban, Jeff. I'll see you in game week five, buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, who are these people who are just off to a flying start? I mean, you got great managers out there like FPL General who are like, I've never had a start to the season like this. Um, I guess, honestly, then, it is heartening yeah. to see some managers doing it. Jeff's okay. like, I'm doing great. Everything's going well. How do I be happy? You know, that's really, yeah. what, that's really the help me help me pick my next vacation destination. <laughs> All right, Brandon, let's take a quick break and let's get into today's big, big topic. Brandon, OK, just before we even get into the topic, are you currently on your wild card? Wild card active. Wild card active. All right, good. Today's big topic. What do you want to do on a wild card? Who do you want to bring in? What, what should your strategy be? Uh, should you start making moves right away? And so on. Yeah, I've got I've got a few things to say about this, given I have an active wild card. So, right, yeah, let's get into it. All right, let's do it. Brandon, we're back. Today's big topic. What do you want on a wild card? I've um, got a couple of general strategy questions and then we're going to go uh, we're going to go through a lineup. Right. So we've got a couple of goalkeeper questions, defender questions, midfielder and forward. Sounds grand. All right. So. 
Byron Brew says, The season so far suggests that the old template of a 3-4-3 and a top-heavy squad may be outmoded. What do you guys suggest is the optimal formation and price structure for those looking to wildcard over the international break? Uh, it's a great question. As, we, as we're fond of saying, it's the year of the fullback. Uh, I think if you're wildcarding, there's no way you can't spend a lot of money in your defense. Big guys like Alonzo and Mendy and Andy Robertson, that's a lot of money to dole out. And where I think we're all looking to shortchange our teams is up front in the striker position. What is making sense to me, I think, is it's, it's very possible to have a one big heavy hitter like Aguero or Lukaku, Aubameyang, Harry Kane. Uh, to be determined and then have a rotational structure with two other lower price strikers like Mitro, like Ings, Arnatovich, uh, Zaha, et cetera, et cetera. So what it's looking like to me is a 3-5-2 or a 4-4-2 is the preferred lineup and just rotating the uh, the third striker depending on the fixtures. So that, that's where I'm leaning. So would you rotate two 7 million strikers then? I mean, that's this seems like a lot of money for a rotation. Like, would you would you rotate Zaha and Arnie or, or I don't know, whoever? No, no. So it, uh, I would not recommend going with two 7 million strikers. I feel like that's too premium for that type of rotation. Mm-hmm. So this is where Danny Ings, I think, becomes pivotal. At 5.5, I think that's a great price that you would not feel he's up to 5.6 now. He'll probably be up to 5.7 before the international break is over. I feel much better putting Ings on the bench, particularly he's got um, the Liverpool match coming up in which he won't be able to play because it's a lone move from Liverpool. So that match is coming up in, uh, is that game week six? Yeah, game week six, Ings won't be able to play. Uh, if to rotate to 7 million, it's too expensive. So I think that's where you have to make a decision of who the third striker is going to be. So for you, you think, you think maybe, maybe it's things then he's, he's your third striker. Then are you going to keep Arnie then? Is he the player that, that, that stays? No, I just, okay. So what my wild card looks like right now up front is Danny Ings, Mitrovic and Aguero. Mitrovic, Mitrovic is like his the the chances that Fulham are creating are immense, and if Mitro stays healthy, I think his his ability to convert those chances is pretty good. So I'm feeling good about that lineup. Ultimately, had to dump Arnie just because. How can you not look at that West Ham side and be so deeply unimpressed? Right. It is there is something rotten there, and even though Arnie. You know, some could argue that he's marginally fixture proof. Uh, he's wearing the armband for that team. He will get his goals, but it's too much to spend on somebody who is on a team that is just is is in shambles. Right. Brandon, there is something rotten in the London Stadium. I totally agree with you. I mean, I can see a version of this of this team that's that's exciting, that has fantasy assets. Uh, that is not happening right now. I mean, they've had, they've had some. Tough games, I suppose. It, it, it hasn't been a you know a, a, like a, an easy ride. They had to play away to Arsenal. They um, you know they had to play away to Liverpool. I mean, those are not easy fixtures. So I mean, you know, I think the schedule is going to lighten up a little bit. But yeah, I, I kind of agree. I mean, I, I will say, you know, watching the highlights of the West Ham match, I, I thought Arnie had a few chances. Um, I mean, I still, yeah. I still like him as an option, but um, yeah, I can understand the Mitro appeal. Well, yeah, okay. So just to just to flesh that out, I do really like Arnie 
if you're going this big, where we're going to go, as you say, through each position, but if you're going really big at the back as is kind of template at the moment, you simply cannot afford to have Aguero or somebody more expensive plus two seven million strikers. Right. Uh, if you're doing that, you're really shortchanging your midfield, particularly if you're looking to bring in some of the, the starlets emerging from game week four that are kind of yeah. expensive, like Mane and Hazard. Uh, all right. Uh, second question, general strategy, comes from Harry Haslam. He says, uh, which players are going under the radar of the Twitter FPL community? Uh, might be a tricky one to answer, but I, I have one for you, Brandon. Um, Play it on me. Yeah, I, I think Andre Sherla has been really – okay, listen. I know I'm going to say this and then like 80 people are going to be like, yeah, I've been big up in him all season. But like in Dave general – They were all big up Sherla on the, on the pod last week, but um, in I, general, I brushed him I, yeah. off. I brushed him off, yeah. I feel like there has not been nearly enough love for, for Andre Sherla given his price point, given how attacking he is. I mean – you know, I mean, everybody kind of rolls their eyes when you see underlying stats, but the, the stats for him are amazing. I mean, he is – that guy is shooting like every chance he gets. So, um, yeah, I'm sort of interested in Sherla as a, as a player in my squad. I really wish I would have brought him in actually over um, uh, over Conte a couple of weeks ago, which now in hindsight it seems like a really – ridiculous move and <laughs> i talked myself that one i was would, too would come clever home to roost at some well, i mean point, yeah. you know whatever i got three points from him that was more than a lot of people got from their midfielder this week so uh but yeah it was uh yeah i conte is not long for my team he's certainly gonna go out when i want when i wild card yeah the one player i'm wondering is if he's going under the radar is roberto firmino uh he returns mm-hmm. in three of the last four matches but um no one is really interested in this guy. I think that's certainly a product of our, all of our attention going to Salah and Mane and then Liverpool's defense, which is just yeah. fantastic at Anfield. Is there simply room for Firmino when we're already uh, fully stocked with Liverpool players? But I think yeah. he still could offer really decent value at his price point. Um, yeah, particularly if you if you're looking to go really big in the midfield, it's an interesting shout out. Yeah, I, I you're right. People have not been talking up for me now. I, I mean, a lot of these guys. I mean, a lot of people were talking about were people that people were talking up just five weeks ago, right? And I mean, James Madison is another one who kind of didn't do anything for a week or two, and during that week or two it was when a lot of people were wild carding. Like there's kind of that wave of early wild carders between game weeks two and three, um, mm-hmm. and you know he just he blanked. You know, was it? Did he blank twice? I guess he, he he scored in game week two, and then he blanked in game week three. So I feel like he sort of fell off the radar again, but um, picked up a very lucky assist uh, in the yeah. uh, Liverpool match. But uh, you know, I mean, that guy is—he's on. You know, he's, he's just—I don't know—he's he's all over the ball for that team. Uh, and Jamie Vardy is is you know going to join the join the squad in game week five. So. Um, I think Madison at six point five is definitely a player worth worth thinking about too. Um, he like didn't really show up at all. I felt like in the uh, conversation about who to replace Richarlison with, but uh, you know I think he's an interesting option there. Yeah, I think people don't really quite know what to make of Leicester City right now. So yeah. uh, it's sort of we're just not that that question will ever be answered. Even at the by the end of the season, we could still be wondering how <laughs> good Leicester City now. is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, Brandon. Let's get into the actual uh, team itself. Uh, goalkeepers. Let's start there. Uh, Juan Aguito says my wild card is now activated, and I'm looking for two reliable budget keepers to free up more cash. Uh, Ederson didn't do the job. I have Rui Patricio in the squad, and I'm looking for a 4.5 billion companion. Uh, Rui Patricio, by the way, looked unreal in that uh, Wolves West Ham game. I mean, so good. 
I love like, the idea of looking for a, a companion for him. That's so, <laughs> so quaint. It's, I yeah. love it. I, I, yeah, it's, I don't have to use him in my team. I just want I just want someone that Rui will like <laughs> in my squad. Yeah. <laughs> He's such an experienced, terrific keeper. Fits perfectly into that Wolves setup. So um, I think he he is one to target for a 4.5 rotation. Somebody yeah. to pair with him, I think, is Wayne Hennessy for Palace. So if you look at Wolves' tough fixtures coming up, they're away at Old Trafford in game week six, and Palace are at home to Newcastle. Right. And then uh, a, a tougher fixture for Crystal Palace. Uh, I mean, Palace actually have really great fixtures through game week nine when they're uh, away at Everton. Yeah. So I, I think it's really depending on who's playing at home, you can do a rotation there. Yeah. My, my feeling is that goalkeeper rotations in general don't work very well. Um, I think you're better off just having two good goalkeepers. Right. And not worry quite so much about rotation. I don't know if this is a um, if it's something that people will disagree with or not, but I it just doesn't work, does it? I, I feel like you end up just having one that you heavily favor, you know, and and then you have this kind of other one that you try to use 20 percent of the time and it doesn't seem to work, you know, when you actually rotate them in. And I, I don't know, I feel like I feel like you're better off just like thinking about Rui Patricio and then thinking about another good keeper like. I don't know, like you know, um, yeah. I think Hennessy is a good shout. Um, I think you know maybe Matt Ryan. I mean, I know that I know that Burnley or not, excuse me, the Brighton haven't uh, haven't kept like have they kept a single clean sheet so far this season? I don't think they have. Um, so I think what you know, in my opinion, I would just I think you can just play Patricio in, in most fixtures, um, and then I would just look for another keeper that was good. You know, because uh, yeah. goalkeeper rotation—it's just so hard to get it right, and I, I, you just better off having two keepers that are good. So I think you know Hennessy, who you mentioned earlier, I think is a good shout out. Uh, I think you know Matt Ryan. I do think that Brighton will will stabilize eventually. I just don't. It's just I, it's hard for me to see them continue. I mean, first of all, they only you know they only conceded one goal away to Liverpool. I mean, that's that's a it takes a pretty strong defensive performance for, for that to happen. You know, um, I mean, you could point to missed chances, I guess, but um, you know, they, they actually could have, that could have been a one, one draw that game. Um, you know, if, if not for some nice keeping by, by Allison at the end. So um, yeah, I think that, you know, maybe Matt Ryan, maybe Hennessy. Um, I think there are some, some decent options in that, in that bracket. I do see the pendulum swinging the other way though, currently of we came into the season thinking the David De Gea model worked last season. Let's go for maybe a 5.5 priced GK and Allison or Ederson. And I think people are getting a little frustrated with maybe needing a little bit more money or a week like this in which there were multiple clean sheet wipeouts. Uh, So I, in my wild card, I still have Ederson, but I am looking to scrape together another million pounds, and I am seriously considering going to just spending nine million total, if not less. Uh, it's, I mean, you know, Ederson. I mean, they, you know, they they've only kept one clean sheet in four now, and you know, mm-hmm. they've conceded, um, they've conceded at home to Huddersfield and Newcastle. Uh, I mean, conceding away to Wolves isn't isn't the worst, but. Um, you know, so I mean, I, I do think that there's, I mean, you know, he, he's been racking up assists though. So I guess, I guess that's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an interesting, it's, it's an interesting proposition. Plus their fixtures coming up are really sensational. Yeah. Two home games, Brighton and Fulham and Cardiff in between. So though could be nailed on three clean sheets, which is, that's what's giving me pause about dropping Ederson right at this moment. Yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah. And part of the issue is that that midfield, it's it's, it's hard to know who to have in that midfield. So, you know, it, and ideally you want to have three Man City players just because that team is so loaded. 
Um, there's, there's just so many ways for their, for their, for anybody on that team to pick up points, uh, including it's a Anderson total psychological thing for me too. Uh, if uh, Mendy will get benched at some point just for mm-hmm. rest and rotation, and just knowing that I have City defensive coverage there with Ederson and Goal, I, I, I don't know if that strategically makes any sense. It just makes me happy. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way about Allison. I mean, I feel like R- Robertson is going to get rotated. You know, when the when the Champions League starts up, but at least I'll have a little bit of defensive stability there with with Allison. But um, I don't know. I still regret not having Robertson. Uh, all right, uh, defenders. FPL Poland uh, says, "Who is the who is the most must-have defender, and why is it Holobas?" He has a follow-up question. <laughs> he says, "Is Holobas capable of at least forty assists this season?" Well, that's not a question so much as an inevitability. Right. Uh, right. Holobas uh, game week one, thirteen points, two points in game week two, then nine and ten, four assists and one goal scored. It's uh, he, here's the biggest stat, though, for me about Holobos. In years past, if there were four game weeks played, there would be at least four yellow cards, maybe even five or six given to uh, Holobos. He's sitting on only two yellow cards, which is a small miracle for for uh, Holobos Twitter. Yeah, so he's in my wild card setup right now, 4.7. He'll definitely see a bit of a price hike at some point over the break. Right. I mean, he's he's 34 years old, which, you know, is is – you know, an area of some concern, you know, but the thing is, you know, the Greeks, they live forever, Brandon, you know, very long lives, you know, and so that olive know, oil is just so it's fresh. The olive oil, it's, the, it's the almonds. So, I mean, to me, Holobos will play well into his 70s and I think he'll still be racking up assists, you know, well into the 2050 FPL season. So um, I definitely pick up Holobos. I definitely. I really a question of, of how much body hair he he ends up sprouting <laughs> as he gets to to his older age. Uh, FPLTT says, "Is it crazy to think that four premium defenders could be the way forward?" Uh, Brennan, you talked about your keepers. What does your backline look like right now on this wild? Card? Yeah, my backline is insane, and it is incredibly expensive. Uh, it's. I'm, I've overspent. It's like I went to the, the grocery store and my eyes were bigger than my stomach. Mm-hmm. So I have Alonzo, Robertson, Mendy, Holobos, and Wambasaka. Okay. That's not, that's not, too, that's not, that, I was expecting worse. That's not, that's not too bad. I mean, you know, Holobos is 4.5, right? He's up to 4.7. So that okay. does feel like a bit, a, a bit of a price tag for, uh, for a defender on Watford. So Watford, Watching them against Spurs, they do look the real deal. Um, Listen to the, I think it was uh, one of the odds makers that appeared at the end of the Totally Football show last week was still thinking that Watford was ready for relegation this season. Watching them play the last four weeks, I really don't know how you can think that. They look really solid. Um, Their defense is not bad. a, A fluke own goal given up to Spurs. Yeah, uh, hardly but, blaming the defense for that one. Like Foster ben, looks in great, great form. He, he does. He looks really confident. I feel like he's he's been really active. You know, round goal. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think what's what's appealing about them too is, I mean, they have a couple of difficult games. They play Man United and Arsenal. I, even that Fulham away game, I don't think is a great fixture given how attacking Fulham are. Uh, but they do play uh, Bournemouth and Huddersfield at home in game weeks eight and ten, uh, and those yeah. both seem like really strong uh, clean sheet possibilities. So. Um, yeah, I, I like the whole about shot. I mean, I, I'm, you know, the, his age was the concern. I mean, I, I actually have Cavaselli on my team. Um, just, you know, I brought him in my, in my game week one squad just for the stability. Um, but yeah, I mean, Holobos as a starter, I mean, the thing is he's on all these set pieces now. I mean, that was not necessarily true last year. Um, so yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's an interesting option. I mean, I, I probably will get a little rotation just given given his age. But um, yeah. I mean, the form he's in, it looks looks like he's you know uh, going to start virtually you know any virtually all matches going forward. I think this is really all we need to say about defense. If you pull up the stats page on the FPL site and you look at the top 10 players, Alonzo, Mane, Holobos, Robertson, Mendy, Etheridge, Aguero, Mitrovic, Lucas Mora. Before you start to get to some of these affordable midfielders and strikers like Mitro and Lucas Mora, you, you hit all of these amazing fullbacks, Alonzo, Holobos, Robertson, Mendy. And they're all sub seven million. If you think about it in the grand scheme, I mean, everyone makes this point, right? Like if you're just looking for points, if you saw an attacking midfielder that was sub seven million putting up the same kind of numbers that Alonzo, Alabas, Robertson, and Mendy were, you'd buy them in a heartbeat. So that's where we are right now. Who knows where we'll be at the end of the season? But where we are right now is your midfield is effectively your defense, and yeah, I have yeah. no qualms about spending there because that's that's it's kind of a it's not a bargain, but uh, that's just where the the efficiencies lie. No, I think that makes. If I were wild carding right now, I would definitely have four. I, I would definitely think seriously about a four, probably a four four two. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I think you know. In the end, the other player that we haven't talked about is Patrick Van Enholt. Uh I guess we talked about a little bit at the start of the podcast, but um, I mean, I, I I don't know. It's I guess maybe it depends on whether when Zaha comes back, because it doesn't seem like they're quite as creative without without Zaha in the squad I mean just what he does I think his movement opens up space for the entire team yeah. um and so I, I do think that helps Van Hill as well um so I mean 5.5 billion he is a bit expensive for like given they're not in perfect form but I mean you know he's 5.5 million really attacking definitely has some goals in him and they play Huddersfield Newcastle Bournemouth Wolves in the next four right I mean those are all great fixtures Hey, this is Brandon jumping into the middle of this episode to quickly let you know about our friends at Starting Eleven, the daily fantasy app with live cash games in the UK, US, Canada, and Germany. Play Starting Eleven any day when there are two or more Premier League matches. And to download the app, just visit your iOS or Google Play store or visit starting11.io for more information. And we recently had a chance to talk with Starting Eleven co-founder Thomas Braun about what's new with the app this season. Our full discussion with Thomas is at the end of this episode, so stick around for that. But for now, here's a quick snippet. Before we get into the nitty gritty, why don't you just, uh, for our new listeners, those who aren't familiar with Starting Eleven, tell us a little bit about a little bit about who you are and who the Starting Eleven team is and where the app came from. Yeah, maybe sure. like you're on a um, you're on like a uh, an elevator going to the 40th floor or something like that, you know, and you've got <laughs> you've got, you've you've got, got 30 you, seconds, yeah, Thomas, <laughs> to impress the CEO. <laughs> well, Josh just took up 15 of those seconds, so I'll, I'll keep short. That's, that's true. <laughs> Classic Josh, right there. <laughs> Well, like you said, I'm uh, one of the creators of Starting Eleven. Um, Starting Eleven is a daily fantasy soccer app um, and really a fun complement to FPL. That was its origin and its intention. Uh, it's the same idea as FPL, where you build a lineup of players from different teams and accumulate points based on how your players do in their matches, except our contest only lasts a day. Uh, so whereas in FPL, you build a team and occasionally change it through transfers or your wild card, uh, we allow you to build a new lineup every day uh, really take a weekly wild card. Uh, that's really one of my favorite aspects of the game is the ability to change your lineup based on matchups and there's no salary cap so you can really 
choose the players that you think are going to have the best weekend. Uh, all right, Brad, let's move on to the midfield. Uh, Sala. Dave uh, from Burnley says, Sala sale, that is all we need to know. So, Brandon, is Sala still in your squad right now on your wildcard? All right, hear me out. Hear me out, Josh. Hear me out, FPL community. Um, you, you know how it is when you're playing your wild card and you, when you first trigger the wild card, it's all about making moves. It's all about making cash, mm-hmm. which making cash on a wild card, particularly over the international break, it's a bit of a misnomer. A lot of these players are probably at, at best going to go up by 0.1. So you're right. not going to be able to bank that. Right. However, um, I was having trouble with my midfield and fitting in another outright goal scorer. Mm-hmm. I was eyeing up Lucas Mora, and it looks like he's going to be price rising Sunday night when we were recording. Right. So to fit Lucas Mora in, in case I want to keep him, I had to drop Salah, which is which is fine for the moment because Salah is still thirteen million. So I'm right. not hasn't losing any value. Yep. Yep. I, I can still bring him in at the same price. So right now. Just a word of caution. Salah is not in my team. Okay. Uh, I And we'll talk about this. I'm not at all convinced that this is the way to go, but it is fascinating to see what I can do to my midfield without having Mo Salah in there. So I'm I'm here for the arguments uh, for or against. Okay. Um, make the argument against. I'll make the argument for, so go ahead and make the argument against. So uh, Salah's... He he just hasn't looked as potent. The eye test for Mo Salah for me is not rating as high as 13 million. Uh, he doesn't look bad. Uh, and maybe he looks as good as he did last season. But at last season, um, he looked that good rated at uh, 9.5, 10 million, 10.5 million. Um I mean, granted, he he turns out to be the biggest FPL scorer of all time. So maybe that does over the course of his season rate at 13 million. But um, right now, by my eye, I don't rate him at 13 million. I still feel like he's a must have, but uh, he doesn't look like a player that will just bury you in your mini league or your overall rank. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he will, use the- he will bury you in your overall rank if he does well. I mean, he's owned by 53.1% of teams. So, I mean, if he just yep. scores a goal, I mean, the thing right. is, you know, the, the bonus point thing is definitely killing him. I mean, you know, and listen, it, it's legit. I mean, the way people talk about it, like people think that he should just score like 75 goals and that if he didn't have more take, like the takeaways, he gets the ball taken away because he's so aggressive. Like it's the aggression that this the same aggression that that let, that got him to be the 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 Premier League's all time scorer in a single season is the the same aggression that's going to get the ball taken away a lot, right? So it's not like he could just score seventy goals if he didn't get taken. It's just like it's 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 part and parcel with the game. So I mean. I'm just saying, like I, I'm like fighting shadows here, or whatever. But just like the way people talk about Salah after one blank, and, and I'm, you're not right. doing this, but I'm just saying that, like, it's. I mean, Allison was the same way, right? Allison has been brilliant for three and a half games, makes one mistake, and in a game that they still won, anyways. And you would think he was the worst keeper in in any division of English football. The way that people were talking mm-hmm. about him, it was ludicrously over the top. I mean, to me, Salah, first of all, the ownership is a, is a big factor. He's 53.53% 53. 53% owned, owned. So if he does anything, if he has 
any kind of typical solid game, which, you know, I mean, he had eight points, nine points and eight points in the first three game weeks. Um, you know, I mean, the guy is, you know, he's, he's virtually fixture proof, although not necessarily rotation proof. And they have a tough Champions League draw that could affect him, although their squad depth is deep enough now that I don't know that he's going to be starting a lot of these Champions League games, partially because these early Champions League fixtures are wrapped around really difficult Premier League fixtures. And I think they're going to prioritize the Premier League this year. You know, so they have you know, Spurs away in game week five, Chelsea away in game week seven, Man City at home in game week eight. I think you've got to start solid at all of those fixtures. And to me, I, he's great in a big game. Like he is, he's ideally suited for a game where both teams are trying to score and win um, because he's so good on the counterattack. So, you know, and okay, here's the final reason why I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider dropping Salah my wild card. Um, he is a fantastic captain option or vice captain option every single game week. I mean, you could just captain Salah the entire season and you'd be fine. You can always vice captain Salah. And I just feel like without, without Salah every week, you're going to be scrambling to figure out who to captain. I guess you could just captain Aguero for the next few weeks. But you know, if you don't have Salah on your wild card now, it's going to be like really difficult to bring it back in later. So, uh, rant over. Yeah, I think. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with all of those points, and perhaps the last one you make is the most compelling. Is if you're dropping him on your wild card, you're effectively dropping him until your next wild card. Looking at how difficult it is to bring Hazard in, I needed to wild card to fit Hazard in, and he's he's also in my midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. You you're you're forsaking him now for almost the rest of the season, and and that's a big risk. So the decision you have to make is this is the biggest gamble. To go without solid, it's the biggest gamble you're going to make all season. Right. It could pay off, and if it pays off, then, then mazel tov. Right. The likelihood of it paying off, though, I agree, is very slim. Uh, and I, I am going to spend the next week trying to figure <laughs> out how yeah. to keep goals in my midfield and still keep Salah. So that, that's yeah. where I am. I, I, yeah. Ex- I mean, I, I do. I, it's crazy how expensive he is and how much. It, I mean, I, I'm not really sure that you can have Kane and Salah in your team. Right. I mean, in, in, if you have Aguero as well, it just feels like it feels like that is very hard to pull off. I mean, given given how how important having all these key fullbacks is, is you know, I don't know. And and factor in his art, you just can't have everybody. Yeah. Philip Billing at Huddersfield at 4.5 would argue with you there, Josh. <laughs> yeah. just, just get a bunch of Philip Billings in your squad yeah. and, and you'll be good to go. All right. Sparty says, who would you say are the most essential midfielders right now? Uh, top five, regardless of money. Well, Eden Hazard, I think uh, this is Theo Walcott was the game week four troll job. And it's looking like game week five. It's Hazard's to lose. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, I think if you're wild carding for me, he was a must-have, and it was a, the there were there were three major factors for me wild carding. It was uh, overextended with Liverpool defense, and they have a really bumpy run upcoming. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to drop Van Dyke for Alonso, which meant I just had to shuffle the cards. So it was Liverpool's upcoming fixtures. It was Chelsea's unbelievable form, and that counts Alonso and Hazard. And uh, and and then the the other issue of my overextension and Arsenal in my midfield. But uh, I feel like Hazard is it's if if you're going to try Hazard out now is the time. It is absolutely the time. Don't yeah. wait on him. It's if it's going to happen, it's going to happen for him now. So I think he's a must. 
And from there, it gets really dicey. We, we tried to answer this question when Richarlison got his ban. Who is the mid-priced midfielder that you absolutely must have? Yeah, uh, Walcott was a bust. Lucas Mora, I think, is is emerging as a favorite among those mid-pricers. He looks great. He's playing for a team, despite their loss today, looks very attacking. And, uh, and then you get into Salah and Mane as the other must-haves. Right. Where else do you go from there? Now you're looking at Ryan Fraser at Bournemouth. Right. Um, maybe he's the one sub six million must have that that I'm looking at. Yeah, I mean a four five one does have its appeal, doesn't it? With you know, with, with just a, with Aguero as the lone striker and maybe Ings and Kamara as your, I mean that that you know that that third forward you basically would have to treat like a like a four point five million midfielder, you know, just right one that's never going to play, yeah, fifth on the bench or third on the bench. Yeah, I mean the problem I just don't like the the I feel like you really cost yourself a lot of versatility there. I mean, it's just, part of it's just the way the bonus point system works. I mean. You know, someone like Ings, just all you kind of have to, you know, if it's kind of a messy game where a lot of people are scoring goals and the defenders aren't getting clean sheets, getting getting a goal from a forward is a great way to get bonus points. And um, I, I don't know. So I just feel like, you know, I, I, I like having forwards in my team <laughs> because they score. They score goals. And when they score goals, they tend to get bonus points. Unless unless you're Will Zahan, you also get a yellow card every time you score a goal. So um, I don't know. I mean, you know, Callum Wilson is, you know, is a cheap six million option. I mean, you know, if, if, it's, if it's Callum Wilson versus Lucas Mora or uh, I don't know, Arnatovich versus Lucas Mora. I mean, I feel like I, I know where I know who I want in that debate. Yeah, right. There are some midfielders that I'm struggling with right now uh, that I that I want, but I'm having I'm struggling to make the case. Roberto Pereira, mm-hmm. he he looks great. Watford looks great, but their fixtures they have some tough ones coming up with United and Arsenal in the next three game weeks. And as as you're fond of pointing out, Pereira is just like one heartbeat away from destroying one of his hamstrings, being out for a month or two. Yeah. So it, it does feel like a gamble. Uh, and, and, and two others, uh, Pedro, um, the rotation risk there is frightening. Uh, but I do like him as a bargain version of Eden Hazard. Pedro's yeah. goal scoring form is terrific. And sorry, uh, even though he rested him or, or started him, him on the bench in game week four, sorry, clearly rates Pedro and he has yeah. from the start of the season and came on and it, scored right it, away too. Yeah. It looked fantastic. Um, and and then are we just playing a game of hokey cokey waiting for Richarlison to come back? You yeah. mentioned earlier in the episode, Josh, I think that he's one of these great, one of the lowest risks of rotation, um, assuming he doesn't follow his his original bad boy reputation, get another <laughs> red card. Yep, yep. Um, all right, Brandon. Uh, next question comes from uh, Just Gabriel. Uh, we had a lot of questions about Mikatari, and I just I just picked one. Um, just Gabriel says uh, Mickey benched Ramsey blanks all season. Lucas rotated with Son? Question uh, mark. Does the uncertainty for each make them too expensive to risk investment? And I, I guess you could add Patriot, uh, Pedro to that too. So you're saying that it probably doesn't make them too. I mean, maybe we want to like rank these a little bit here. I mean, some of them, like to me, Ramsey is uh, is too expensive given that he's also a rotation risk. Yeah, I agree. I think the bigger caveat here is Arsenal is just not a team that anyone wants to be invested in right now. I played this right. game for the first 
four weeks of the season and yeah. I waited for the fixtures to turn and it is same old Arsenal. It yeah. They look unsure of themselves. They, they don't really understand what the game plan is. Um, yeah, I want to give you credit for the Ozil thing. I mean, I, it didn't work out, but I, it's nice to like think differently, you know, and it's, 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 it's unfortunate when it doesn't work out, you know, because uh, I, I feel like it's not fun when we all just like run to the template and have, we all have the same players. And I, I feel like you really went for it and it, it's too bad that it didn't work out, but you know, it is what yeah, it is. The, the, yeah. the potential is always there with Ozil. And I think the potential is still there for Arsenal and they do have some great fixtures coming up. I find it very difficult given where, where I stand to recommend any of these guys. Mkhitaryan yeah, too. I mean, Lacazette played so well in his spot, right? I mean, well, sort of in his spot. I it, mean, yeah, he played centrally, and then I guess Abba moved out. I don't know. I mean, who knows? I mean, we don't. I don't think we know who what Emery's best eleven. I don't think Emery knows what his best eleven is right now. So these guys are all at risk, except maybe Aubameyang. I struggle to think that Emery knows where he is at any given moment. He looks. <laughs> He looks kind of brainless on the sidelines, <laughs> if, if I'm honest. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it is like there's something about sorry uh, on the sidelines where you're like, yeah, like that's that guy's like in a tracksuit, like a t- <laughs> just but chewing on cigarette. He just butts, looks, uh, but he looks like he knows what he's doing, right? There's something about mm-hmm. him like you're just like, yeah, that guy. Like, of course they've won all four of their games. That guy's awesome. Like he's you know, yeah. like such a hard ass, you know. But uh, yeah, there's something about Emery where he just he looks like a slightly intellectual, kind of confused. He, I mean, he's such a perfect replacement for Arsene Wenger, right? It's just like, yeah, right. you know, it's, I mean, checks I, I, all the boxes, checks all the boxes. Um, uh, but I'm we'll still holding see how he the guy had, with his winter yeah, coats later. Exactly. But I mean, Emery was, you know, I mean, he was great at Sevilla. So let's give him some time before, you know, we start getting, uh, to, I mean, you know, he inherited a, a, a very unique squad to say the least. And they're and the player uh, that yeah. paying the most money to is, uh, kind of a problem. Yeah. I think Lacazette is really the standout here, but he's really only one, he's only one to watch at the moment because he is, uh, as we keep coming back to a rotational risk. But yeah. the, I think he's the one that is best priced for access to Arsenal. If he nails down a starting spot, I do like him as a pick. Abba right. is probably the the one who will achieve the most is my prediction right. through the rest of the season. But at 10.9, it's still, yeah. it's still impossible to fit yeah. into your squad. We've, we've already talked about Arsenal too long, right? Like don't take anybody yeah. from that team right now. We give, give it like 10 weeks until they sort yeah. everything out. Uh, Lucas, I think is worth the rotation risk um, at, at, at 7 million. A guy who's basically playing as a forward right now for Tottenham. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe he does get rotated occasionally, um, but a, when a player is in this kind of form, which he's been since the start of the summer, really, and this is the start of, you know, the summer workout with whispers, um, you don't, you just don't drop the guy like that to the bench. Um, I mean, son, son's, you know, maybe son starts the champions league matches and Lucas stays in the premier league or, and I mean, like it's, he's one to watch for sure. But, um, I, yeah, I, I, I feel like I, I can confidently recommend Lucas right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, have someone on have someone on the bench for crying out loud to to right. help you out in a, in your time of need. But yeah, Lamella out uh, with a hamstring strain. I mean, he'll probably be back in contention after the international break. But right. he's not going to just jump in and take no. Lucas Moore's spot. Even when he was healthy, Lamella was kind of a more of a rotation player, really. So yeah, and everyone will be making the same point on Hungman's son that he he's 
played so much football recently, went straight from club play into the World Cup, into the Asian games. He will need a bit of a rest. And and just based on form, it's Lucas Moore's spot to lose, right? School Day says, should we banish Arsenal's Mkhitaryan and City's Bernardo Silva due to their bench activities? Really need Alonso, so which one should I get rid of? Uh, we've already talked about Mkhitaryan. I mean, Bernardo Silva did get his rest now, so does he go right back in in game week five? I mean, I don't know. I guess it's hard to recommend him, right? It's hard to recommend him. I think that, yeah, I I think that he'll see more starts than bench activities, as School Day uh, puts it. So if you had Bernardo Silva and you had other pressing issues to solve, I'd feel quite comfortable sticking with Bernardo Silva. I still yeah. think City looked a little sharper when he got onto the field. Yeah. And Pep Pep loves him. So I, I'd, I'd stick with Bernardo Silva for the time being. Uh, final question in the midfield. Uh, Stieg Hagen says, should both Mane and Salah be kept in the middle? Uh, we talked about Salah uh, you know, a fair amount already. Uh, Sadio Mane, I mean, is he, have you thought about him? Have you, you know, is he in your squad right now? What's, what's your thinking yeah. Mane? Yeah, he's he's in my midfield right now. So my wildcard midfield is Fraser Billing from Huddersfield, the 4.5 wonder, the new Dale Stevens, mm-hmm. um, Eden Hazard, Lucas Mora, and Sadio Mane. So okay. per our discussion about Salah, Mane is probably going to morph back into Mo Salah what I'm struggling with is this uh, this goal-scoring pocket in the midfield. So Mora and Mane, I feel like I can get goals out of that, but um, I, I do need Salah here. So he comes in, and for Mane, Lucas Mora needs to be downgraded. At that point, I end up with somebody like Ruben Neves, which right. is not a good place to be. So then I'm looking for where I can find more money to upgrade a guy like Ruben Neves. So that's what I'm trying right. to figure it's out. Almost, at the time you must be better off just bringing Richarlison back and sticking on the bench for one week, right? Yeah, it's true. That's still more money than I than I have. Right. At the moment, uh, uh, given my outlay in the back. But okay. yeah, I, I do like that idea because uh, as we discussed in our game week one preview and how I ended up bringing Richarlison in is, yeah, I need goals. And sure enough, there there are goals. But I like yeah. Mane. I think this is this is part and parcel with the Sala discussion is Mane is looking electric. Yeah. He is uh, and you have to be careful with how I describe this, but he he is looking as goal as much a goal threat as Salah. So you logically, historically, you can't make the argument. I don't think that Mane is a better pick than Salah. But um, if you're an alien that crash lands in the middle of FPL this season, and <laughs> yeah. you look at the last four game weeks, Mane does. He's he's a competitive pick. Yeah, I, I will say I have both in my squad. I've had both of my squads since game week one. Uh, it has been great. Um, and I plan to keep them indefinitely. And um, I, you know, am, I guess I'm slightly worried about some rotation risk there uh, with the Champions League, as we I've already talked about. I just I'm willing to get it out. And, you know, I, I also like I think the thing about rotation that people I mean, we saw with Pedro this week, like just because you get rotated, as long as you come on the pitch, you know, if you're, if you're in a team that's attacking Liverpool, there's still a good chance you're going to score. You know, I mean, you know. Salah can easily score a goal or two in 30 minutes of match time, you know, as can Mane. So, um, you know, so they can they can score even if they come on the pitch. If not, like, just make sure you get a couple bench players, right? I mean, especially yeah. in a wild card, there's no reason you should have, you know, more than one guy who isn't a, 
who isn't a sure starter on your bench, right? I mean, it's yeah, like yeah. I mean, the Peltier thing didn't work out, but I mean, even even someone like Ryan Bennett, you know, you could throw on there. It was going to start most games. Much is going to be made about the big fixture run for Liverpool coming up. Like you said, Champions League is starting up again. They play PSG on September 18th, uh, and they're playing Spurs um, in game week five. If you if you look at a fixture pileup for Liverpool historically only impacts their defense. These guys will score goals against anybody and everybody. So I, yeah. I do agree. It the the fixture pileup doesn't scare me off the attack. It it did propel me to to try and drop some of their defensive assets, which I'm happy to do. Yeah, I think that makes sense for sure. Yeah, getting getting away from the double up does make sense. But yeah, and as I said before, you know, the fact that they have difficult the fact that it is a difficult run and they have tough matches in the Premier League makes me feel better about having two of those players, not worse. Because if they were, if they had these difficult Champions League games, and then in between they were playing you know, Huddersfield and Brighton and a bunch of you know other, then, then I would be really worried because then those would be it'd be so clear that they would just you know they would just play their kind of second string uh, for those matches. Yeah. Right. All right, final category, forwards. Nav555 says, who is the best budget 7 million striker? Well, uh, for me, I have Ings and Mitro. Uh, definitely quickly come around on Mitro. Fulham looked a bit in disarray the first couple of matches this season. But four goals in four matches, he is looking like he's playing all the greatest hits of Romelu Lukaku circa his Everton days. He just powered that goal in against Brighton over the weekend. Really impressive. I mean, ludicrous handball for Mitrovic to give away. Yeah. Um, like, just clear it, man. You don't cost, have to... Cost, ch- cost them two points. Yeah. Yeah. Tra- chest trapping it in the box at, at the end of the match. What, what are you thinking? But um, Fulham, just just to spout off all the, the general punditry cliches, creating lots of chances. Mitro's going to be there to, to clean them all up. I think he's... He's right up there, and they have great fixtures coming up. It, of course, it's Man City in game week five. But then it's Watford at Craven Cottage and Everton, Arsenal. Their defense is, is pretty garbage at the moment. Mm-hmm. Cardiff and, and then Bournemouth and Huddersfield. So I really like Mitro. He's he's my big pick at seven at 6.7 right now. No, uh, perfectly reasonable. I just – I mean, I just like – it's kind of what you want, you know. I mean, if, if you want one of these cheap strikers, you want them to be on a team that is very attack minded, and I think we're definitely wolves. Wolves and Fulham both both seem like teams that that have a lot of fantasy potential, and um, just because it looks like they're going to be trying to score a boatload of goals, and both maybe Wolves can be a little more defensive. I, I don't really. I feel like I don't totally have a. Like I don't know if I have a full read on on Wolves. I'm not sure that Wolves do, right? I mean, like John no. <laughs> Moutinho has like really asserted himself the last couple of games, and I mean he wasn't he wasn't in their squad last year, so it's I don't know. It's like they're they're like they're still a team in. in I mean, I love I I am like a big fan. I hope Fulham and Wolves both stay up because they're they're both a lot of fun. I mean, we replaced Stoke in West Brom with Fulham and Wolves. It's just. It's a great year, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. Really sorry, think... sorry, sorry, Cardiff City, but you guys have to go. <laughs> right. You guys it's were sorry. not invited yeah. to this party. Please, please yeah. see yourself back to the championship. <laughs> yeah, and sorry there, to there, West Brom and Stoke fans. Game week four saw some other sub seven million strikers emerge. Troy Deeney is is still keeping his despite being yeah. fat and old, well, and another Potri- old guy, Glenn Brandon, Murray. The next next question here, and Potri Trust says announcer keeps saying that Troy Greeny isn't Troy Greeny. Uh, Troy, Troy Deeney is in great shape. Maybe the best shape of his life. Is he a keeper for the season? 
just uh, set and forget with Trey Greeny for the next 35 weeks. Troy Deeney, six million. He's on pens. I like True. that. That's True. good. True. I mean, scorer of talismanic goal scorer of talismanic goals. True what's, talisman. what's not to love? Uh, I'd, sure. Yeah. I don't know. If he's in, if he's in better shape, then sure. I, I don't know. Yeah. He is, he is a solid sure whatever FPL <laughs> yeah, asset. The, I mean, could you make a stronger case for Glenn Murray, though? Uh, now now that uh, Pascal Gross has had, has had his great penalty-taking adventure uh, <laughs> that came yeah. crashing down over the weekend, uh, yeah. Glenn Murray back on pens. He's so, still doing it, man. I know. And I I really thought – I mean, he got rotated so much of this near the end of last season that I thought I thought he was a real starting risk going into this year. But he's played the full 90 all four matches. Um, yeah, I, I, Murray is not a bad shot there. Um, their fixtures are just about to get better too. Um, mm-hmm. well, actually, I don't know. It's still a couple weeks away. I mean, they play Southampton away is a, is a good fixture. And then they play Spurs and city back to back after that. They have a great run. I mean, the run from game week eight on is fantastic, but, uh, I might still wait a little while on, on, uh, West, on, on Brighton. Yeah. I'll give it up one more time for Danny Ings. We love you, buddy. <laughs> You're looking great. Uh, all right, Brandon, let's take a quick break. Uh, we have a few lightning round questions. Let's get to those after the break. Brandon, we're back. It's the lightning round. Every question gets an answer in 30 seconds or less. Let's actually hold ourselves to that this time, Brandon, unlike usual. Mike DiPietro says, the standard practice is to hold the transfer until after the international game has been played. But should you make a move, a player you're targeting is about to rise, i.e. Alonzo. Well, Alonzo is a must-have, so uh, uh, th- this is a tough one because Alonzo is going to report to the Spanish national side. Anything could happen. That's a big matzo ball there if he ends up you know, breaking his leg or doing something terrible. God, God right. forbid, knock on wood. I really hope that doesn't happen, obviously. Right. right. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess if you had like – no starting bench players, maybe not. But if you have like a team of players who are all going to start in game week five, then I think it's fine. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. Alonzo actually has already risen tonight. So uh, <laughs> you, you did miss the first rise there, Mike. Sorry. <laughs> Mike Mike probably wasn't sticking around to wait for our answer to this question. Any, That's true. Anyway, That's true. you know what to do, Mike. Do what you know. Uh, School Day says, is wild carding during the international break a good option this season due to the increased price rises? Well, I'm wild carding right now. It, I would like to say it doesn't have anything to do with uh, with team value and price rising. I mean, playing the prices is, I don't know if it's the fun side of uh, a fun way to play your wild card. Um, but as soon as you trigger the wild card, that's what you're trying to do. Like that's what I'm doing with Lucas Moore. I probably won't even end up keeping him. But it's a fun way to capture all these guys whose prices are rising. Yeah. But I I think that's not the sole reason to wildcard. You're you're wildcarding for your team and for points that you're going to score. And if the time is right to wildcard for those reasons, then do it. Do not do it just for team value. Yep, I think that's. I think that's. I totally agree with that. I have nothing else to add. Uh, Tommy says thoughts on Adama Traore. Uh, a cool goal that he scored. <laughs> Good player, uh, not a sure starter yet. If he becomes a starter, then uh, an interesting option. He's only five point five million. Uh, a lot of people rate him very highly. I wasn't sure where he was going to play in that team, 
Uh, if he was, if he might end up playing more as a kind of in that Matt Doherty role, like a little like as more like a wingback. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not right now, so I, I don't know. I, I I like him, but yeah, I mean, you can't bring him in yet because he's not starting matches. I I do wonder, and it worries me from an FPL perspective. A Triore is just on that team to base to come in and do exactly what he did against West Ham. He's right. a match winner. He just he can come on midway through the second half and just terrorize and run at a tired defense. Right. And I don't know why they wouldn't just continue to deploy him that way because he is. Yeah. It's weird because he's not Adam- the most technically gifted guy. And Adamatory, not a Portuguese name. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's a. Uh... Yeah, it's yeah. a strange one. Yeah, now, he's, and now, now he's playing in the uh, Portuguese national team. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, um, all right. Uh, next question comes from Red Dagger. He says, if I get Hazard or Lukaku, which one will troll me harder? Great question. Almost erotic in the way he <laughs> asked that question. Uh, uh, it's it's anyone's guess. I will definitely end up with Hazard in my wild card. So I pray that it's Lukaku. Mm-hmm. That's getting in the troll business. Yes. And if you just look at what Lukaku has done the last two game weeks, he's missed two pretty open uh, open goals against Spurs and then today against Burnley. So Lukaku is already trolling. He's already at it. So Hazard has got some catch up to do. They're both going to troll you. I mean, they're both going to troll everybody. It's, I'm sure I'm going to have both those guys on my team at, at some point this season. Uh, Jurgen Rackvag says, uh, today we got Lorente on the field. I, would, I was hoping he would put one out for you there, Josh. When is it coming? Did you mean game week one next season? Now, Brandon, I believe you were the one who was big upping Lorente, not me. I guarantee that Llorente would score a goal, <laughs> I think, in game week one. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. so Jurgen, I do think that I was – you you read between the lines there, and I was saying game week one of next season yeah, for Stoke season. City in the championship. <laughs> yep. So yep. I hope you're playing a fantasy championship next season. <laughs> uh, Gabriel Castellano says, best Arsenal assets – yeah, the response on Slack was unanimous to this question. Zero. So uh, I'll stand by that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like we were saying before, Arsenal just have immense potential and they have great fixtures, but they, they're in such disarray. It's hard to recommend anyone. New Patreon supporter Espen Larson says, why won't Hodgson start Sorlot so Crystal Palace can win? Hashtag Bench Benteke. Bench, Benteke. Let's make this a true movement. <laughs> uh, let's see. We'll have to find somewhere where we can we can start a, a, a legit petition that we can start signing. Yeah, this. bring bring him off the bench. It's Benteke, I, Benteke as a uh, Mamadou Saku replacement in the 85th minute. I like that. Uh, <laughs> Benteke in to dispel James Tompkins if he needs a break. I like that too. I, I just don't like starting Benteke. I like him as a replacement, as, as a third central defender. Yeah, it, it it does boggle the mind that Hodgson has stuck with him for so long. It's the these the force field around the goal for him is outrageous. <laughs> it is. Uh and final question. Uh I like this one because we're leading right into the international break. Adam says, What are your ways of dealing with FPL stress? Hmm. Whittling wood. That's mm. a fun one. That's a good one. Yeah. Not watching the internationals and just enjoying not sports. Yeah, we're watching sports. different sports. Different sports. Uh, you, NFL starts. This you weekend. know what? Here's my recommendation: find a way wherever you are in the world to fire up a major league soccer game, 
and watch MLS and think about or watch the Dutch League or something like that and think about how bad it could be. Uh, even if you're not doing well, even if you're stressed out with your FPL team, at least you're able to watch what are some of the best, most entertaining professional <laughs> that football matches in the world. That was not where I thought you were going at all with that. They <laughs> <laughs> so were like, watch MLS, it's fun. It's no, 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 watch like, MLS no. as a reminder of how good you actually have it. So uh, the, for all those out there playing yeah. fantasy MLS, they'll probably be like, well, yeah. uh, I haven't checked my team in, yeah. in six months. My advice is listen to this week's always treating podcasts which we've gotten this far you have uh recommend it to your friends and then take a week away from fantasy premier league and just and just just take a week just don't log into your your fpl specific twitter account for a few days just 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 take a little break like clear your head you know like i, I find that when i step away from from fantasy for a couple of days my perspective on players changes a little bit you know like i mm-hmm. I, I, I do I, it can really help i think it's it's like the you know, it's like the benefit of a good night's sleep or whatever it's just like so that you just need to like change your your perspective sometimes. Yeah, particularly after a game week like this, there is the temptation of like I have to sol- solve this problem now. Right. You do not have to solve it now. You've got two weeks to figure it out. If you're not yeah. wild carding, um, like what Mike DePietro was saying, maybe you just relax and figure it out when when your mind is a little clearer. I agree. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, just. Give it, give it at least two days, if nothing else. You know, give it, give it, give it, give it forty-eight hours, or another forty-eight hours. Give it, give it, maybe give it ninety-six hours. Watch both, watch both the forty-eight hours movies. Are there three? Are just two? I can't remember. Uh, I, there are at least two. We're talking about uh, what is that? Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte in forty-eight hours. That's right. Mel Gibson is wow. he in that too? Uh, I think you're thinking of Lethal Weapon. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking of leaving the weapon. All right. There, there are three of those. Um, all right, Brandon. Uh, At least. Thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. If you would like to become an always cheating patron to join our league, get access to uh, – if you win the league, you win a T-shirt. If you win, you know, if you, if you join, you get access to the Slack. Uh, you'll join our knockout league that starts in a couple weeks. Uh, lots of different things are available to you. Uh, visit patreon.com slash always cheating. Uh, you also get the first uh, – sort of first crack at getting a question on the podcast. Uh, so – uh, if that if that's something that you want, um, that that also that, that helps a lot. So um, visit patreon.com slash always cheating. Uh, producer thank yous. Brendan, do you want to read off our producer thank yous this week? Yep. Thanks to Mike DiPietro, Stephen Toomey, Sam Streak, Jacob Roberts, Nick Costello, Carl's Rasmus, Lean Granley, Chris Howell, Rafi Khan, Martin Savage, Rick Brailsford, Jim Payne, and Adam Benjamin. Don't forget, subscribe to Always Cheating, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Google Play, Acast, TuneIn, PocketCast, wherever you get your pods. And uh, do, if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating or, or, or whatever the highest rating is, because we deserve it, <laughs> don't we, Josh? Sure. Uh, yeah. And uh, give us a follow. Uh, we're, uh, we're always active on Twitter, at HailCheaters, Facebook.com slash AlwaysCheating. Email us with your lengthy missives at hailcheaters at gmail.com. And for all this information and more, visit our website, alwayscheating.com. You got it. And Brandon, we'll be back next week with the Game Week 5 preview. Enjoy the time off, everybody. We'll see you next week. Okay. See you. Bye.
Hey there, Brandon again. As promised, here's our chat with Starting Eleven co-founder Thomas Braun. Josh and I talk with Thomas about playing daily fantasy for cash, what's new this season, and tips on how to get the most out of the Starting Eleven app. Thanks to Thomas for his time, and I hope you guys enjoyed this discussion. Hail cheaters. Okay, we're here with Thomas Braun, co-founder of the daily fantasy app Starting Eleven. Thomas, welcome to the Always Cheating Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, Thomas, we've been uh, partnering with Starting Eleven for uh, since last season, um, so this is a good point for us to catch up with where Starting Eleven is and what what new features you guys are launching for the new Premier League season. But before we get into the nitty gritty. Why don't you just, uh, for our new listeners, those who aren't familiar with Starting Eleven, tell us a little bit about a little bit about who you are and who the Starting Eleven team is and where the app came from. Yeah, maybe sure. like you're on a um, you're on like a uh, an elevator going to the 40th floor or something like that. You know, when you go, <laughs> you've got, you've you've got, got 30 you, seconds, yeah, Thomas, <laughs> to impress the CEO. <laughs> well, Josh just took out 15 of those seconds, so I'll keep short. That's, that's true. <laughs> Classic Josh, right there. <laughs> Well, like you said, I'm uh, one of the creators of Starting Eleven. Um, Starting Eleven is a daily fantasy soccer app um, and really a fun complement to FPL. That was its origin and its intention. Uh, it's the same idea as FPL, where you build a lineup of players from different teams and accumulate points based on how your players do in their matches, except our contest only lasts a day. Uh, so whereas in FPL, you build a team and occasionally change it through transfers or your wild card. Uh, we allow you to build a new lineup every day and um, really take a weekly wild card. Uh, that's really one of my favorite aspects of the game is the ability to change your lineup based on matchups, and there's no salary cap, so you can really choose the players that you think are going to have the best weekend. Yeah, we talk a lot about that uh, it, with regard to FPL versus starting 11 and all the anxiety and stress related to FPL because so many of these decisions seem long term, starting in the preseason and game week one and, and even through game week 38. Starting 11 is just like a recharge of the battery um, every week. We, you can play starting 11 any day in which there are two or more Premier League matches happening, right? Yep, that's right. So, and, you know, I think that might change in the near future where we'll go to a more single game format and offer that as well. But for the time being, yeah, it's two or more matches each day, which generally means Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. I, one thing I was going to add, Brandon, about uh, one thing I like about it is um, it's, it's not just the anxiety, like, like getting away from the anxiety of, of FPL. Um, I also think it's a way to relieve the the boredom that can maybe not maybe boredom isn't the right word, but there's something about like that time in the middle of the season where you're kind of locked into your team you know, you played your first wild card in the third, the third game week of the season and you don't want to play your second until the 30th game week or the 35th or whatever. And you're like, right. So maybe you've got in. like one or two big decisions to make uh, yeah. at the most every week. Exactly. And so what, what ends up happening for me often is I start to get a little bored or a little antsy and that's when the four point hits come in. That's when I start making mistakes. So I, I think starting level is also a way to kind of, like it's like a way to like like it's a place to put your your anxiety or your um you know <laughs> like, like like get that out of your system you know sort of build this team and I also think it help change your perspective on on just like how you view certain players in general. 
Right. Okay, so you play Starting Eleven on your mobile device, iOS or Android. Uh, so I've downloaded it from the iOS or Android app store, and I fire it up. Then I can challenge, like I can challenge Josh. Josh can challenge me. I can play with other people around the world. What are the different um, play styles within Starting Eleven? Yeah, we offer basically what you said. There are one v one competition where you can either create a game and wait for somebody to you know, challenge you, or you can challenge a friend using their email address. We also have you know, 50-50 contests, which is kind of one of the classic, uh, you know, fantasy contest types where if you're playing in a, you know, 10-pound entry game and there's 10 others there, the uh, top 50% of managers will win if they're in the uh, in that space with their points accumulated. And then there's also the winner-take-all contest where kind of self-explanatory uh, at the end of the contest day the winner takes home the entire prize pool and this is kind of where we get to All right. some of the new exciting stuff that's going on we're going to expand our contest types with mini leagues which is kind of something you guys have hinted at before too yeah i want to talk about what's going on with these mini leagues but you did touch upon the uh the big one the big daddy money cash cream <laughs> I love that Wu-Tang song, Josh. Oh, I know. Cream, get them a dollar bill, y'all. So this is a relatively new feature. Nothing, you guys... like, two, nothing like two white guys in the Midwest uh, talking about Wu-Tang and, and saying dollar hey, bill, y'all. It's, nothing gets cooler than that. That's really at, <laughs> at least we live in New York and we're referencing Wu-Tang, a, a, a classic still... East Coast rap rap group. We're gentrifiers, though. It still doesn't work. Yeah. I take that as a shot against the white guy from Minneapolis you're talking to, but <laughs> right, exactly. I'll let it we, slide. we know who we're talking to, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Any famous rappers coming out of Minneapolis, Thomas? Ooh, you know, whenever anybody brings up the Minneapolis uh, music scene, it all comes back to Prince. So he right. will yeah. forever yeah. be royalty in our minds. <laughs> or the replacements. I'm a huge replacement. Yeah, fan. that's true. Right. And Bob Dylan. Well, all those guys, they got rich, but they didn't get rich playing starting 11. So the cash games are now available in the UK in, is it 33 states in the US uh, at the time of recording? Yeah, it's 33 US states, the UK, Canada, and Germany on iOS. And uh, just today, which is exciting, we've got our Android app in the Play Store and it's available all around the world. So if you're in yeah, if you've got listeners in Ireland or in Scandinavia or in India, Australia, wherever you may be, you can download it and play. Um, unfortunately, that's not for cash. That's just free play. But uh, it's really exciting for us that we can kind of get everybody back in the game as we originally had them and um, you know, really create a, you know interconnected community here. Thomas, you mentioned mini leagues is something new that's coming up with the Starting Eleven app. Uh, what are these mini leagues and what can we expect from them? You know, guys, I'm really excited about this. Uh, similar to FPL mini leagues, uh, we're going to bring out a feature where you can invite your friends uh, or really anyone to a mini league with a code they can share uh, via Twitter or email or text. And I think it'll be a lot easier to organize your friends and meet other people interested in fantasy soccer and really just kind of get into to starting 11. It'll feel very familiar from the, the FPL game. And along those lines, you know, we're also going to let you chat with the people in your contest or mini league right in the app. How oh, cool. And this kind of goes to a bigger point. You know, right now, uh, my FPL life consists of you know, scrolling through Twitter, 
listening to podcasts, reading articles from different publications, checking in on the Slack channels, texting and emailing with friends, you know, et cetera, all those different channels. And for starting 11, I really want to bring all of this into the app and create a cool ecosystem where, you know, fantasy nerds like us can hang out. And uh, we're launching the chat function. Like I said, we're developing a, a dossier where you can save articles and tweets and refer back to them or send them to a friend, um, you know, kind of getting that research aspect of, you know, fantasy into the app and making it a one-stop shop. And I think it's a really cool deal. It'll be a, like a community. And be honest, Thomas, though, this just sounds like a streamlined way to trash talk your opponents. That might be a significant part of it. <laughs> you know, you're not saying for, you condone that. <laughs> I'm not. Maybe, maybe our friend Stephen Toomey will give us some beer recommendations in the middle of the game. You know, I love that. Lots, yeah. of, lots of different ways it can exactly. go. Hey, what are you drinking right now feature? <laughs> Excellent. Uh, any, any other new aspects of the app that, that we should expect? Uh, you know, we're continuing to push for cash games in more places. It's quite the slog with both Apple and Google and, you know, various governments. Um, so, you know, we appreciate people asking for it. We want to deliver it and we're doing our best to, to make that happen. Of course you are, Thomas. We trust you. <laughs> The game for free or for money, like Josh was saying, it's it's a good side quest uh, from FPL. And I love picking it up just for the aesthetic and the design. Um, all the kits are, are true to the new kits this season, but they had this great um, sort of uh, polished aesthetic to them. And just moving the players about uh, feels really fresh and exciting and what i really enjoy about the aesthetic is uh, you get to choose a captain in your starting 11 side and instead of a boring c with a circle around it as we're used to the captain gets a crown uh (laughs) and and uh for all the lords out there lord kane lord thorloff they deserve a crown in my opinion so i think that's a very very fitting design touch that's be Thomas. The first time anyone has ever been that specific in their their appreciation of, a, of an element of the app. <laughs> Am I the first to mention that crown? Yeah, you know, I think you might be. Um, and based on your recent travels, I expected you to, you know, desire to be a laird and not a lord. <laughs> yeah, my, my my Scottish brothers and sisters will will chide me for that. Uh, yeah, so the design is awesome, um, and the, so the mini leagues they'll be rolling out at some point, and and that's also a fun way I think once once they're available for us to play and just sort of track um, who's better than who day to day and starting eleven, um, and we're talking about getting some contests going, maybe in our um, Patreon community, uh, charting who's who's progressing in the mini leagues. So it's not all about playing for cash if that's not your bag. Uh, so exciting to hear more more news about that. Uh, so say you're new to starting 11, Thomas, and you're um, just thinking, how do I jump into this? What are the tricks that I need to be good at daily fantasy right away? Are there any tips or tricks that you and the starting 11 team have picked up where if I'm a rookie at daily fantasy, these are the things that I need to know? Yeah, you know, I'd say that one of the tips or tricks um, would really stems from kind of the genesis of our game, which was I well, I love FPL, but one of the things that always frustrated me, which is kind of something that Josh did that was it's it's not dynamic enough week to week, and so we 
I wanted to create something that was more dynamic and really doubled down on that. And so what we did was we eliminated the kind of lock in your squad uh, timeline that FPL has. So you get to see the team sheets, you get to see who's going to actually start, and then you can still create a lineup. You can make swaps to your lineup up until kickoff. And then the key thing is once the matches actually kick off, you take the shoes of the manager and you stand on the touchline and you get to make three substitutions to your lineup while matches are happening. And so if you really want to excel in this game, you uh, would really benefit from following along with the matches, seeing who's playing well, who's getting subbed off, who got red carded and um, was now in the locker room and, and making changes um, you know, based on that. This is a feature that you designed specifically for Mesut Ozil. Is, is that right? <laughs> what I, okay, so um, what I really like about the live substitutions is um, if you're locked in a head-to-head or you've got um, some sort of contest happening on a Saturday or a Sunday and you see you're sort of lagging behind in points and you need to you need to do something. You need to make a change in order to gain. Um, now I can start looking at, okay, what are the matches happening right now? Who can I bring in that might actually um, be a, a differential, um, which is a, a standard FPL term. And you have that freedom with starting 11 where you don't, you're, where you don't with your locked and loaded FPL squad. Um, and I, I guess uh, what is also interesting to FPL players about starting 11 is the difference in the scoring mechanics. Josh, you're always complaining about how FPL doesn't reward positive play enough. So you get not, your your BPS is knocked for shots off target or for yeah. unsuccessful take-ons. Um, but in, in starting 11, you get point, positive points for shots, whether they're on target or off target. Yes, I love it. Yeah, this is one of the best things about the app for me is that players like Raheem Sterling and uh, Paul. I, you're a Man United fan, right? I feel like a year ago we talked about this, but yeah, Paul Pogba it really benefits from this too, right? All of his, <laughs> his speculative shots from outside the box are are rewarded in this game. Yep, that's just it. If Pogba can't shoot, it doesn't matter <laughs> um, in, in some sense. But yeah, what we really wanted to create was a scoring system that mirrored the play on the field so that it was intuitive for people watching matches, whether or not they're a soccer expert, um, that they could tell who would be a good person to have on their team. And it makes the game more approachable, I think. And that combined with uh, you know no salary cap uh, makes it super easy to play. You can set a lineup in the time. It makes it a, you know, pour yourself a cup of coffee in the morning, getting ready for the matches. And, um, you know, I think that it's, uh, you know, a good way to learn the game too, because I think it gives you a sense of who's really contributing to the match. Yeah. And the scoring is completely live, which is kind of crucial, particularly if you're playing for cash, you're playing against somebody else. So you always know where you stand in the scoring. Uh, I mean, I know the start of this season, just trying to figure out how many points you have on the FPL site, which is continually crashing has been infuriating. Uh, and Brandon, just just to chime back in on something you were talking about a minute ago, uh, one thing I really like about the Starting Eleven app is, is just how fast and easy it is to everything up. Um, you know, over the last year, we talked to, I think we met a lot of friends using the app, right? I mean, I'm thinking of Stephen Toomey is the one who stands out immediately, but um, Andy Goodland and uh, Miel Satvetti. Oh, and, uh, Jet, um, who renamed my team after winning, beating me in a starting 11 challenge. So, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, exactly. Lots of, lots of great managers out there yeah. playing starting there's, 11. 
the, yeah, I mean, like our, you know, the Hail Cheater Super League has thousands of managers, but this is a chance to to just play with a, a smaller group of people um, and obviously a lot less commitment to you. So you can jump in for one day and jump back out. Uh, fantastic. Well, Thomas, thanks so much for joining us and for being part of the Always Cheating Podcast community. Um, uh, people can download the Starting Eleven app at in the iOS store or the Google Play store, as you mentioned, Thomas. For more information, go to starting11.io, starting11.io. And I'd recommend just popping by that website because there's a great YouTube uh, tutorial uh, that's narrated by a very beautifully voiced British person. Who is the person that narrated your uh, tutorial video? That's actually Ryan from FPL Tips. And you're right, he does a fantastic job. I mean, the, the videos that he puts on his channel are fantastic. And um, he's got just a silky smooth voice. You're right. Yeah. So I guess, yeah. I guess we were busy. <laughs> silky was the word I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You didn't need somebody saying Arnautovic as opposed to Arnautovic or, or whatever the right pronunciation is. Somehow we somehow we screwed up that audition, Josh. <laughs> Uh, right. So head, head to uh, starting11.io. Check out that video in case you thought we were just talking nonsense for the last 15 minutes. You can also far, uh, follow Starting11 on Twitter at Starting11app, A-P-P, and Facebook, it's Starting11Fantasy. Uh, Thomas, uh, any last words for the Always Cheating community? Uh, I don't think so. I guess I'll just close by saying that you guys are great. We appreciate, you know, everything you guys are doing for us and also for the FPL community. It's a, it's a pleasure to listen every week. Oh, thanks Thomas. I very much appreciate it. Cheers. All right. Good luck with your daily fantasy bets out there, everyone. And, uh, have fun. Remember to have fun. <laughs> thanks dad. <laughs> Stay safe and have fun. Thanks Thomas. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Oh!